Daniel Lambert and Bose have unveiled our latest plans for Daily Mount Park. It's different to the original plans, but is it different good or different bad? The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Jonathan Hill and the FAI discuss both the men's and the women's national team managers. There are plans in store for the new Daily Mount Park and the semi-final draws have been made for the FAI Cup draws. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. And Nathan, it wasn't too long ago that we had a 10,000-seater modern stadium with facilities for the community included as part of a, a Bose Shells stadium. That's faded now into the distance and we have new plans in place. How does the new Daily Mount project look? Yeah, let's have a look. What we are on, Roy, update number 45 of Daily Mount Park redevelopment. Yeah. Of, of this is, that's only this month as well, mate. It seems just like... And we're not even Bohemians fans, or even we're rolling our eyes and thinking, hey, another bleeding update. But this comes courtesy of the Bowes, I don't know, you kind of call him, beekeeper, landscaper, COO. We go, we go with the Bowes COO, <laughs> Dan Lambert. Uh, he released images of new designs for the Daily Mount redevelopment on his own uh, personal Twitter accounts. As you said, not the concept that we thought uh, originally when, when this was all started back, which seems years ago now. Uh, obviously, for the audio listener, just close your eyes and imagine what we're going to say. You can just uh, use the imagination and, and, and think, or just Google the photos. That's probably quicker. But the plans yeah. that uh, Dan did release on his Twitter account is that the pitch is going to be rotated uh, 90 degrees from the way it is now. There's going to be two full-covered seated stands on the east side uh, and the west side of the ground. So the east stand will have a capacity of 3,155 and the West Stand will have a capacity of 3,076. That brings those two both main stands to uh, 6,231. And then we're going to have a North Standing Terrace, uh, no cover, uh, with capacity of 1,109, and a small South Terrace, again, no cover, all standing, of 719. So all in all, it brings the capacity to around 8,000. Again, it's probably the most disappointing thing to hear is there's going to be no uh, wiggle room to increase the capacity. It's going to be nowhere to do that over time. So we're, we're never going to get to that 10,000 that was uh, mentioned when, when the redevelopment force came to fruition. I know different things happened at the time where the the, the, the ground share with Shelbourne obviously never went to plan to save Tolga Park uh, campaign, really put a stop to that and kept Tolga Park uh, within the League of Ireland. In terms of cost... That's always a, a huge issue as well with, with the Daily Mount Park. And any sort Absolutely. of redevelopment on new build across the league, uh, they're looking at €40 million Euro, and it's set to be completed by 2026. Good luck with that time frame. Um, yeah, but I think the last one was supposed to be nearly built by now, wasn't it? So it's... it's yeah, you don't know what way it's going to go. And how is it going to affect it? Because obviously in three years' time... If it gets stalled at all again, that it was forty million for the original one. Now it's forty million for a lesser stadium. Uh, you just hope that they start to get through it now. That, that there's progress now immediately, so they can get what they they want to have up. Listen, I'm, you have to say you're a little bit underwhelmed by it all. First of all, 
the two main stands are going to look well. Uh, the, I think the, the the newest, biggest one where there'll be a bar and probably some a VIP bar and all that sort of stuff. It'll look well. It'll feel great. I think it's just that the behind the goals is where it's going to kind of. One thousand one hundred and then seven hundred and nineteen behind the goals. I'm sure that the the away fans will get one of those sections, but it just feels. I, I can understand why they have to, why they turn the whole stadium. Uh, could they not get a, a better fit in the other way round? They'll know more than what we know because there hasn't been much details surrounding that. Uh, but it just it it does. It feels a little bit flat when you look at what they were looking at originally. Yeah, well, definitely lacking details, Roy, on uh, these new design plans. I don't really like... I think the Dan Lambert post came out a couple of days ago now at the time of recording. And even on that original post, it's saying that uh, Dublin City Council were going to lodge a uh, planning permission application in the coming days. We still haven't heard mm. any updates on that regard. So I'm, I'd say when, when we do find out about the planning permission going in, we'll get a full more detailed run-on of plans and why the plans are come to fruition the way they are, but I, at the minute we're, we're sort of speculating. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's definitely um, a disappointing one. I'd say for everybody involved, uh, I said the ground share went by wayside. It was meant, it, even though it's still going to be a community-based hub, there's going to be uh, community uh, amenities around the stadium and, uh, and stuff like that. But as I said a few minutes ago, the most disappointing thing for me is the fact that there's going to be no scope for further redevelopment or further improvements uh, on the, the redeveloped Dalyman Park when it is finished. Yeah, let's spin it the other way because th- there should be positivity around this as well. Even though we're disappointed, there should be positivity surrounding it because this stadium will look a hell of a lot better than what it is oh, now yeah. at the moment. It's falling yeah, apart it's at the moment. It's a sad state of affairs at the minute, isn't it? Yeah. So you're going to have a facility there that is going to be, first of all, jammers. There will be a good atmosphere. Um, it'll be up to scratch because it's it's a new build. There's going to be a lot of positives surrounding this and uh, Bohemians fans deserve to have something built at this stage. 100%. Regardless of... Uh, like I know we sort of poke for myself, myself in particular. I'm not going to try you under the bus either. Um, of the state of Dalyman Park but it is a historic ground not only in the League of Ireland um, but also in, in Irish football history and Irish culture as well the concerts that would have been held on some of the look back at the All Ireland games that were played in Dalyman Park and the scenes now like I said there's health and safety inspectors losing their minds only look, looking back at some of the old videos of people oh, sitting yeah. on the roofs and, <laughs> and stuff like that but um, it is it is definitely it's probably in worse state now though it's, it's probably, it's, it's, yeah they're probably the same health and safety heads are probably still losing their mind <laughs> looking at it uh, but yeah it definitely is a historic ground um, obviously from a way fan point of view you just know you're going to get shoved into that 719 stand behind the goal right. with no cover uh, whatsoever Absolutely. but it is a fan base that definitely deserves it you look, Roy, only during the week they won um, the Lancelina Cup, so congratulations to the Bowers beating uh, Usher Celtic 5-0. I think like for a midweek Lancelina Cup final, I think there was over 3,000 people at it, so yeah. it definitely will. They, they will pack them in, and you're looking at that 8,000 seat capacity. It, it is, we don't want to keep going back and harping on about it, but it is a crying shame that they can improve that and be more ambitious because there's no reason why Bowers can't be pushing It's just the when you in. looked at the design Nathan, of the original one, it just looks so good. Yeah, it was just when it came out, we went, 
Well, and I know we were talking about we need to have you need to have ten thousand because they were talking about reducing it and all that sort of stuff. But the 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 design of it, it looked appealing to go into it. Now this will look good. It'll have the two sides and all that sort of stuff. And when, and when you go to Daily Mount, you're gonna have a better experience, and that's what we want, and that's what everyone wants uh, for the fans when they go to these games that they have a good experience. Uh, I suppose it's just a case of. It's a bit like, I don't know if people remember Bullseye, but, you know, here's what you could have won. Uh, and it was normally a speedboat or something like that or a car or something like, something like that. But we're kind of getting that now where we could have had this, but now this is what it is. But listen, I I can't wait to go to it. I can't wait to have a look at it and get inside it and, ha- and, and see what this stadium uh, will involve because there's space on, on, on one side there. There's a little green and everything there. So is there going to be a kind of little meeting point before the games where you have a little area that people can go out and, you know, have their drink before they walk into the game and whatever. So it's, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, listen, it's positive news. Um We'll leave it at that. It is possible. Oh, I tell you what, fair play, Joe. I didn't expect to hear uh, a Jim Bowen reference on your bingo card for, for this week's this week's episode. Loved a little bull, oh, yeah. <laughs> loved a little bullseye show out there. Nice one. <laughs> um, just quickly before you go, the Leinster Senior Cup, uh, what do you make of it? Um, yeah, it's it's probably a good opportunity. I think Bowes, by looking at some of the teams that he put out, uh, decent opportunity to give some of the younger lads a run out like you're never going to put out a full strength team it's a similar thing where if you're going to have a conversation with the return of the EA Sports Cup it's not really worth doing it when the prize money on offer is so minimal so you could say the same about the Lancer Senior I think the only benefit you could do is that you're, you're, you're playing against a decent standard of Lancer Senior sides that are competitive in that league the idea would drop down from the League of Ireland so it's a good run out for some of the the younger players, but besides that, for me, it, it, it does not, obviously with the historical connotations of how long that the cup has been going on, um, that's probably the only benefit from a League of Oil point of view, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, it's nothing to me now, I have to say. I think it's, it's a waste of time. I don't know why they have it anymore. Things are in the past, they're historical, uh, they've meant something before, but at this stage now, it's a nothing and... Uh, I wouldn't get too excited about winning it. So, uh, that's... Oh, I would. I'd more, be all over any, I'd be all over any fun. You, of course you would. You <laughs> would. I know you would. But I just don't see the point. The big, the, there's big ones there. Yeah, you, you have your FAI Cup. Yes, you have your league. Yes, you have qualification. Uh, would you rather have qualification for Europe or, or win your lens? You know, so yeah. that's that's what you're looking at. So, um, I'm not sure uh, if there's anything behind that one. Okay. The FEI had their uh, press conference and they talked about Vera Pau and they talked about Stephen Kenny. Do you want to touch on the a few things that they had to say? Yeah, so um, this was done by the FEI CEO, Jonathan Hill, and the director of football, Mark Canham. They spoke, I think, for literally two hours, right? didn't they? They took questions and took a lot of queries from the media. Uh, we saw it, just divvied out a couple of key points. Uh, we're not going to mention the whole two hours of the agenda. Some of the more interesting points, I just said, touched a lot on very repair where it was it was the main body of the question so we'll go on to that in a minute there was also uh queries about the short sponsor for the republic of Ireland men senior team but i suppose the one the the major headline is probably better to say that was coming out of press conferences that stephen kenny will remain in charge for the remaining three games of ireland's euro 2024 uh qualifiers and their a review will take place in november that follows the friendly against New Zealand in the Aviva Stadium. What are we thinking? It, it, it's it's definitely 
if you're looking three like three games to go in November, that's gonna come around quickly. You'd like to think they're getting the finger out straight away in terms of eyeing up uh, suitable replacements. Uh, to come in because it, it, I think it'd be mad if you do see Stephen uh, hang on to laugh in November. I mean, anyone that listened to the show knows me and you, the Stephen Kenny fan, delighted to see him got the job. But the, the time is up for him, the time is right for him to go. Uh, what do you think? It, was it a right call to hang on to him or should he have phased him out now and perhaps brought somebody in uh, for the final three games of the qualifying campaign just to, to bet them in with, with the squad that they have at the minute? I would say that they don't know who they want to have in place. I don't think they should rush into getting someone just for the sake of getting someone. I think that Stephen Kenny would have to be paid off for the last little bit of his contract. They might as well have him in the job now. That There's no chance of qualification in regard from that group. Um, Yes, I know there's talk about the playoffs and stuff like that with the, the Nations League. Clutching the straws, isn't it? Really they're clutching the straws, straws there as well. Yeah, uh, I think it's a good move. I I, I just don't, I can't, I can't look at a, a, someone and say, yeah, they're definitely for the job. So they kind of have to look out of, we said before, that the Paddy Power list and, and make sure that they, they get someone in who's actually going to progress this group. Someone with experience, someone who... You know who who will carry on from where Stephen was trying to go with the playing football, but you know have a more aggressive nature to him. Have uh, you know not be too buddy buddy, you know, and 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 compliment every move that the the players make because I just thought it was, he was probably a little bit soft when it comes to that. Maybe he wasn't behind the scenes. Maybe we didn't see it, you know. Um. So when when we get the behind the scenes documentary that would have been great wouldn't it imagine having a behind the scenes documentary for the Republic for our team that would have been brilliant but when we get to see that uh, that was uh, it probably tell a different story but I doubt it I doubt it so yeah I'm I'm happy with that yeah I, I the very same as yourself I didn't see the point of getting rid of it now it really doesn't make a difference whatsoever I think as you mentioned really well uh, the key factor is that he has a few months remaining on his contract so the FBI will not want to be in a situation to pay him out. They might as well stick with him now. Nothing's going to, you could bring any manager in the world of football in and it's not going to get his qualification. So you might as well stick with him. Use the, what we know, two months, two months or so to, two months, yeah. to, to build up, to uh, find the right candidate and staying away from the Steve Bruce's and the Sam Allardyce's of this world. Because we started plenty of times. It's the blueprint that already needs to be used going forward. The early days of Stephen Kenny. Um, I suppose actually one just why we're touching on right now we didn't really talk about this. I've seen a couple of people asking the question, and I'll throw it out to yourself. Would you like to see Stephen Kenny stick around the Ireland setup in terms of maybe a director of football or working with emerging talents? Or do you think because of, of the spell he's just had as manager, it, it would it be best off for him to leave the scene and go off back into into club level of football? I don't think he should be in, around the senior team. Uh, whether he would like to go back in and do anything with, you know, at an underage level or at, I doubt it. That would be a, a a fall, a big fall to go from the senior team down. I think it's best for him to step away for a while. He may come back into the FAI setup or whatever, but. Listen, he'll do a good job. You know he'll do a good job in, in that regard. But 
it might be worth him stepping away for a little bit, maybe go and getting a little experience, go coaching. You've seen even Pep took a year out, you know, to, to go around and, and have a look at different people and how they coach and, you know, go to different clubs and stuff. And no harm in Stephen going and doing that and, and then jumping back into the managerial game again. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think he should just sort of step away for his own good. Not that I don't think he'd do a good job. I think he could step in there and he could do a really good job. But I just think that it might be good for him to step away. Yeah, I think the, the, the real the sticking point for the director of football team is just the lack of experience in, in a role uh, of that level. But as you said, Roy, with this press conference, Stephen Kenny wasn't the only uh, the only name on the lips. There was a Vera Pair was it was a much more popular topic of conversation that was being brought up. And look, we just run through some of the the main points that was talked about about Vera about our departure or dismissal from uh, our role as the, the manager of the women's national team. Uh, so yeah, just jump in at the time. You, you want to sort of discuss anything, but it started off. Uh, Jonathan Hill made a bit of a, I suppose, a bit of an opening statement on introduction about the Vera Pell situation. Uh, that the FBI denied interfering in football matters at the Women's World Cup. This is a, a claim that Vera Pell made that the FBI were were trying to to interfere in her tactics and in the uh, the football sides uh, of the build up. Uh, Jonathan Hill also said that the FEI and Vera Pell were discussing initial uh, contract renewal and a contract renewal offer. Um, and Jonathan Hill even went on to say that the world, the build-up of the World Cup was, uh, this is a quote here, in intense periods. Uh, this would be in relation to the allegations about Vera Pell's time at Houston Dash. Uh, we all seen the, the NWSL allegations about the misconduct and made I don't beforehand. Know, I don't know how... All of a sudden, the FAI woke up and went, oh my God, this is really bothering us now. This was out ages beforehand. It was just a, 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 re, a rehash of an article that The Athletic kind of put out there. But the information was out there already. So I'm not, I'm not fully believing that that's the reason why. I think it's maybe one of the reasons. I think it's an, it's an easy one to go with, Roy, isn't it? If you want, if you want yeah. someone out and it's there. Because as you said, these were... and when, whether the allegations proved to be correct or not, as you said, the story came out, I think, was a five, five years ago. Vera would have been mm. a, 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 a use and dash. Uh, but John Hill even went on to say that the FEI decided to, uh, to park that issue until after the World Cup for the best interest of everybody involved. So, again, it, it's not an issue that they felt needed to be quickly uh, discussed or quickly put on before the World Cup. So, they're happy enough to put that to one side uh, until the World Cup is over. It was why we're talking about this as well. Another important uh, tidbit to bring up is that, uh, again, it was said in this press conference that nothing raised in the allegations uh, were voiced as an ongoing issue within the Ireland's women national team squad uh, regarding players or staff. So, yeah, again, there was, there was nothing to suggest that Vera was acting uh, and he saw it acting in terms of misconduct with within the women's national team. Uh, of Ireland, and I think probably the most one of the interesting points that was brought that was uh, asked Roy was um, towards the director of football Mark Hannum, and it was in regards to the FEI's internal review of Vera Pell following the World Cup, and the question was asked: Would an independent re- review not be the best case or the, the, the best case scenario for these sort of um, 
of mm. situations. Instead of going internal, get someone that's non-biased, that doesn't know anybody re- uh, regarding the situation, to independently review it because it, uh, Mark Hannum even said during his press conference that he was the one that undertook the review because of the fact he, he was on good terms with the likes of Vera Pau and the people involved with the women's national team. Yeah. So, what what do you reckon? Do you, like again? I understand that an internal review is it's probably common. It's definitely commonplace and common practice within the FAI. As I said, we're going to see that in November with Stephen Kenny. Yeah. But would an independent view be the best course of action for a situation like this? Well, it probably would be, but then they don't really want to go down that way in case you know there's something there that's going to shine them in a bad light. So, why would they? You know, so that's that's that. Um, when you look at the the players coming out and talking about Vera on the lead up to the game now against Northern Ireland, who who was there was someone I can't remember who was doing the, the interview, um, and Slayton, Vera Pau, and oh yeah. There was a couple yeah. of right doing the doing the media rounds. Uh, sorry to cut you off there, but one of them, uh, I suppose, just with a quick little positive one. One of them was Katie McCabe uh, coming out and saying that she regrets the social media post following, I suppose, a, a World Cup spa with Vera Pau, uh, and rejects any notion of player power and the idea of you know Katie versus Vera that that it was more so uh, used for headlines rather than anything that went on within the camp. Uh, it was That's Diane Caldwell that really, really caught, seemed to catch the headlines. Um, and definitely surprising, right? Really, really surprised over someone like Diane that's so experienced, been in and around the women's national team now since 2006. I was even before we jumped on here, I was reading an article by um, uh, Stephanie Zambra, Stephanie Roach, saying that even she felt it was very unprofessional for Diane to come out and, and, and say publicly say these things about uh, Vera. I'll just have a quick little quote here and then a couple of little small things that she did say. So one of the quotes was, I think our preparations for games could have been better. Physical preparations, opponent analysis, match tactics, in-game match tactics, changes and systems of play. Uh, she went on to say that it wasn't up to an international standard uh, and then followed up with the likes of results and performances were in spite of Vera. And then the, the herself and Katie McCabe even raised these concerns as far back as 2020 and following the Euro 2022 uh, qualifying campaign. And I think even one of the headlines I've seen was that uh, they were hindered and helped by Vera Pau. So really, really strong words by, by someone that's so uh, heavily experienced at an international level. I, I was floored to, to see this because yeah, you never it's, see it. It's harsh. You never, never see this. It, it's very harsh because what she's effectively said, and, and she has said, is that it was the players who really brought that team and got that team to World Cup and, and no one else. Now, she didn't turn around and say, well, it was the players who who probably should look at themselves for some of the performances that they've put in since they qualified for the World Cup. Um, it was all, the positives were because of the players and the negatives were because of Vera Pau. I don't necessarily believe that either. But what I do see is, is that they're, is a lot of stuff going on in the background where it did look like it was going to be very hard for Vera to get a contract renewal. So 
it was probably best that they didn't renew the contract and they, they get someone else in there. And as I said to you already, I think they need to get someone in there who's who's going to stamp their authority on that team and uh, and obviously progress the team, but stamp their authority and... and uh, it, let's put it this way, it, this comes around again and there's something similar to it again. You have to look elsewhere, you know, but I'm not saying that the players are lying, but what I'm saying is is that you have to take some responsibility yourself. Yeah, I think to totally come out uh, and, and push it to one side... Like essentially, what what was being said in that press conference is that we had a group of players that were here and they were ready to succeed, regardless of who was managing us. That's that's just flat out not true whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to, to see this right. And we were talking about uh, the legacy of the Women's World Cup. I think the, the final only happened, and we jumped on the podcast yeah. we were talking about it. And this all just came out, and it's just, it's such a shame that. Ultimately, this is going to be the legacy of that Women's World Cup, of this uh, Irish team. And it, it really, really shouldn't be. Um, you're looking, they're coming up now on Saturday. I'm going myself on Saturday to the Viva Stadium. They're playing Northern Ireland in the first ever uh, UEFA Nations League game. Yeah. Then they're playing Hungary a couple of days later in Budapest on Tuesday, September the 26th. Should be all gearing up uh, to the Nations League. Should be gearing up to the, the the next European qualifiers. But it's all that's in the headlines is, is stories like this. And it does make a question. How much public damage is being done? In particular, by the players of yeah. the Women's National League team. Like they should be darlings of, of the nation coming off the back of, of such a historic World Cup campaign. But... It's just straight away synced into negativity, and this just should not be the legacy that's been left behind after such a no, such a historic summer for, for women's football. In if this everything that they have said is true, we're in for a hell of a performance against Northern Ireland and Hungary because they've been held back, and there's obviously a lot more that they feel that they can give. So they're put under a little bit of pressure by themselves because they're going to have to put on some performance. So and I hope they do because you know we're we're all Irish. We all want to see the the national teams go and succeed. Um, I I I think that there's probably, yeah, some stuff they could have just left fade away and 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 moved on and let positivity surround the group instead of bringing back negativity into it. And I know they were getting asked questions, and so some people are just brutally honest, and that's fair enough as well. Uh, but you, you know, it's weird, isn't it? It's like like we complain when when football, like the Harry Kane syndrome, and footballers are being ungodly dim in interviews. Yeah. But then was well, well, critical when when you have a footballer coming out uh, like they are being yeah. so critical. But it's a uh, it, it's such a delicate situation, isn't it? Like and, and and Vera played a massive part of the success. I don't care what anyone says of the success of, of that squad. It was definitely a squad full of talented players, but. The, the success that that's what she brought to them they're agonizingly close to, to getting to the Euros in 2022 made it to the World Cup uh, like the state that she would have found that team in 2019 it's, it's not as bad as it was, was a couple of years ago yeah, in terms first. of asking for, ba- just for basic rights as just of, a, of an athlete but she definitely left left them left that team in a, in a much better state than she found it and it, it's it's a shame to see her be so disrespected after such a historic summer anyhow uh, come on you girls in green hopefully they uh, put on two great performances and kick off their Nations League in the positive manner that we hope to see the positive manner that women's and girls football had before the World Cup and when everyone was bubbling and can we bring that back again 
Okay, before we talk about the Irish FA and their five-year plan, uh, the FA Cup semi-final draws were made, Nathan, and, and you're enthusiastic about talking about it this year. I am. I was hoping we'd start with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are now. You may be sweating out a little bit, but we'll get to it. Yeah, waiting with it. We're uh, baited breaths on the draw to be made. Uh, so I'll run too quickly the, the, both the men's and the women's side of things. Uh, so for the men's, uh, Cork City will be hosting St. Paris' Athletic. The Cork City beat Wexford 2 1 in the previous rounds, thanks to Rory Key and uh, 92nd minute winner. Rory's on flying form, isn't he? Since, since coming back Absolutely. after such a difficult time for him. Five goals in five games, absolutely brilliant. Uh, and St. Pat's beating, narrowly beating Finn Harps 2 1 away from home, thanks to Tommy Lonerin, uh, 85 minute winner. And then on the other side of the semi-final, Galway United got another home draw, Roy, and they'd be facing uh, Declan Devoyne's Bohemians. Said Galway. In fairness, me and you did say that we fancied them to beat Galway or to beat Dundalk. Sorry, yeah. I don't think we've seen four 0 at half time being the scoreline. No, we didn't. And uh, but, but that kind of shows you, Nathan, that you could see another upset here. Yeah, it's not out of realm of possibility at all. Like it just could be a. Uh, could be a huge couple of weeks now for Galway like, to get a win against uh, Kerry City. Or Kerry, I keep saying Kerry City. Kerry FC on Friday. That uh, confirms that they win the fourth division. Something that's been coming for a long time now. Uh, promotion will be earned. Uh, there's going to be live. The game won't be live on Virgin Media, but it's going to be live uh, footage being broadcasted throughout uh, the St. Pats and Dundalk game taking place on Friday. That's brilliant for yeah. brilliant for Galway. And brilliant for Kerry too to, to, to get uh, the bit of exposure. Brilliant for the first division. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Love to see it. Uh, and then from a both point of view, they beat dropped a three one away from home. Uh, Jonathan Afalabe got a brace again. Another man in absolutely flying form. Twelve goals from his last twelve games. He's he really is one to watch. And good luck to Bowles keeping a hold of him yeah. uh, throughout the off season. But yeah, two big ones there. We'll come back to that now in a second, Roy. Uh, but from the women's point of view, uh, Shamrock Rovers will be hosting she- the whole of Shelbourne. Huge toy there. And Sligo Rovers, who pulled off a absolutely huge upset, beating Bowes 1-0 uh, in the last round. They'd be hosting Athlone Town, who were runners-up last season, and beat P-Mount on penalties. Uh, so from the men's point of view, Galway will be playing Bowes. That'll take place on Saturday the 7th of October. And Cork City will be playing St. Pat's. That'll be taking place on Sunday the 8th of October at the unusual time of... Uh, 22-3 uh, kickoff, and then for the women's we'll have Shamrock Rovers playing Shells the week after on Saturday the 14th of October at a 4 o'clock kickoff, and then Sligo will be playing at Lone Saturday the 14th of October again but that'll be a 6 o'clock kickoff. So, what are we thinking? Who, who are you putting your money on to get to the finals? Uh, Galway to win it, Shells to win it. There you go, end of story. Going Galway with the double? Galway for the double, yeah. I just have a feeling Jesus. now. I said that... I said yeah. that now before the other game and it's just how they're how they're playing. They're playing full of confidence and could I see them go beat Bowes? Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to go hammer at Bowes but I could see them. They're at home and then when the final you're in the final anything's possible and uh, you just wouldn't even know what way the Cork and, and Pat's game is going to go yeah. to tell you the truth. It's it's When you're in these games anything can happen and anything can change a game. So yeah, listen, I'd like to see Galway win it. You'd like to see Pats win it. So maybe that's the final. That'd be the one, wouldn't it? That'd, That'd be the really one to watch. Um, okay, listen, we have um, 
a five year plan for the Northern Ireland Football League I had a look at it today Nathan I read through it I remember reading through the FAI's one and going okay there's a lot of, uh, it's a bit of a wish list here it's not really that much different for the Northern Ireland one is it? Genuinely, great minds think alike. <laughs> I was reading it, uh, and all I kept thinking, this is vague, vague stuff here. Yeah. No real um, talk of how they're going to implement these, uh, the five-year plan or the, even the, prior, the priorities of, of the plan whatsoever. It's a, it's a strange one. But yeah, look, I suppose we, we don't really talk about uh, the Northern Irish Football League too much, obviously being the League of Ireland podcast, but we're going to shoot on a little uh, little bit of League of Ireland content into this one. So, as you said, they did release their five-year plan. Uh, it's a full 18-page document. If anyone's interested to have a look, uh, you can find it on the NFL website. Uh, it was made by the NIFL and was endorsed by the Irish FA and the European Leagues. So, it, it seems to be broken down, Roy, doesn't it, into four main categories. Those being uh, competition, governance, uh, revenue and engagement. So just for a quick little uh, idea of, of what each uh, compartment means. Like so, with competition, do you want to break into the UEFA top twenty-five coefficient rankings? Uh, the likes of governance, do you want to increase the NIFL relations with uh, stakeholders? In terms of revenue, did like to double commercial revenue by twenty twenty-eight? And engagement, they'd like to increase uh, fan attendance by forty percent, grow broadcasting attendance, and provide a platform to give fans uh, a voice and run the league. Because obviously there's, there's a lot more in each category, but that's just to give you a little quick of a rundown. Look, if, if you are reading it, it is very vague, and it, it's something that I've seen a lot of people think, oh, no, it'd be nice to see uh, the League of Ireland bring out an updated version of what they'd like to do. It's, it's what you'd expect, isn't it, from a football association. But they're obviously going to go out now. They're going to back themselves for the next five years. So... The question that came to my mind straight away, and the one thing reading into the document was, I suppose rightfully so from different uh, Northern Ireland Football League point of view, that there was no mention of an all Ireland League whatsoever. Yeah. Is, is that now dead for the next five years? Uh, because it's not that long ago that we sat here, I think it was one of the four shows actually, me and you ever done together for the League of Ireland podcast, uh, not, not the sports we used to do before this. We talked about the proposed plans for in our Lydon League that, that were brought forward. They were a little bit convoluted, I remember, at the time, but it, it, it seemed realistic a uh, way to go about it, but it's, it's all that out the window now for the next five years with the Northern Ireland League backing themselves. Well, I think when you looked at the the League of Ireland's one, the FAI one, and it's similar to this, and there's a timeline where I'm, I'm looking at here the Northern Ireland one, you know, double annual commercial revenues by 2028. There's something similar there in, in the FAI one and the real way that both of them have kind of discussed about doing that because basically you need money to do everything that you're looking in these two plans there's you don't just do it you don't just get things and both of them have said that they are going to put pressure on the governments to fund their their plans and and what they need to do to make the leagues a more attractive option for people to go and watch their football. I can see it happening in, in the Republic of Ireland with the League of Ireland. I can see how they're putting pressure on the government. Um, 
I think they're looking for something like a billion or something like that. There's some big money that they're looking to get off the, the government. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised they get because they need to start putting pressure on. And uh, again, as we said, it's the most uh, the most amount of participation in the country sports was. So really, there should be money going into that sort of uh, the infrastructure within that league and uh, in Irish football in total. Uh, grass uh, roof football and all I can see this is where the Northern Ireland one's going and I can see that they're going to go down the same route now uh, are they going to have a harder job with the, the English government I don't know I don't know how that works up there but if they don't get that money in this all means really nothing because you don't just get people throwing money left right businesses uh, throwing money left right and centre at you unless they think they're getting something from it so they need the leg up first before the rest of it kind of kicks in. And it's the same with the League of Ireland. Yeah, like I think if, if you're looking at uh, the, the Northern Ireland Football League, the, one of the big sticking points for them, and I suppose an envious point of view from a League of Ireland fan, is their uh, exclusive television deals. They have a great deal with BBC Sport Northern Ireland. They want Sky Sports still on there. Um, and again, like the League of Ireland, there's, there's been a major growth in attendance over the past 10 years. Uh, I think it's in 103%, uh, but in particular, uh, post-pandemic. But it's just, I, I, I remember at the time we, we were both pro uh, in all Ireland League. Yeah, I sorry, and I didn't get around to that point, Nathan. My point is, is that once they do what they're saying they want to do, i.e. get the money from the governments, if they get that great by the time 2028 comes around maybe the All-Ireland League is a conversation then because then it looks attractive then you can talk because I mean Sky Sports turned around and said yeah listen we'd be interested in the League of Ireland if you can get your infrastructure right so if the North gets theirs right South gets theirs right and all of a sudden then these are grounds that they're not eyesores. They're something that people will want to watch on a television because, you know, you look at grounds and you watch them on television and it does. You look at the ground, it does kind of affect how you watch the football. It's a nicer stadium. You'll end up watching it. It's a shit heap. You just don't watch it. So, yeah, you know. Especially things like lighting, like yeah. the floodlighting isn't up to par of the lighting is dark. It, it, it does definitely expect No, I, I looked at the game, sorry, the other night. You'll just have to bring that up. I looked at the game the other night, Shamrock Rovers against Derry City. The lighting in that game was shocking poor. I actually turned the game off because the level of whatever floodlights they have are not good enough. Nowhere near good enough. The lights that were coming off the stands for people to be able to see to walk up and down the stands was stronger than the light that was on the pitch. And that's something that puts people off watching. And uh, I'm sorry to cut across you, I didn't mean to. But, no, okay, but I mean. that's the kind of thing. It doesn't look right so people won't will turn off just like I did. I was looking forward to watching that game and the more I watched it, the more it annoyed me and I just turned it off. So the leg up from the governments is going to be crucial to getting where they want to get the two of them. But if the two of them don't get that leg up or if one of them only gets that leg up, I find it very hard to see where the All-Ireland League will kick on then. If the two of them get it, I think it's still on. But it's, 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 you're talking 2030 probably. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, that is a very prevalent thing. Like, you'll have people, oh, just watch the matches. That has nothing to do with it. It does, though. It has to be an experience. Yeah. Similar to a YouTube video. 
like if you're going to click on and the audio's not right, the lighting's not right, it, it's, it's not a pleasant experience, you're not going to tune in and watch. So as well, when you do talk about the, the facilities of the stadium, and definitely saw does come into the fact as well, but it's, it's it's you're looking at a large majority of League of Ireland grounds aren't set up for regular broadcasting yeah. whatsoever. It costs a lot of money to bring in temporary stands and to, uh, to bring in temporary rigs for cameras and for lighting. So they're just not set up for it at all. So that, that's another area that means major investment, not just the, the, the seats and the, the stand as a whole and the stadium uh, to make it more comfortable. It's to have it set up so you can come in and pitch to for an exclusive uh, television deal. And it's not going to cost... Uh, broadcasters and an arm and a leg to for extra staff and for extra rigs for extra stands for cameras or, or um or cranes whatever it may be, but yeah it's again I think you, you said it really well when you, you call it a wish list I, I thought the same thing when the uh, league of Ireland the FA bought out the one, um just I think if if we are Northern Ireland they were always it was always a bit of pushback wasn't it about an all Ireland league point of view. And I think a lot of that had to do with short-term uh, probably drop-offs that you're going to see in terms of the European prospects are going to drop off. Because, again, there is a better standard of football down uh, in the League of Ireland than up in the NYFL uh, and at a travel and stuff like that. But I just think long-term, the commercial opportunities, the sponsorship opportunities, again, as I said, if you, as you said as well, if you get the money in, you can get the stadium set up to be ready to be broadcast ready from a week-to-week point of view. Then you can get these television deals all year built and have it all under the one under the one umbrella. I just think it's too small of an island not to be looking at that prospects yeah. of including all island league. It, it just suits everybody better, but it's it, it's not going to be happening anytime soon. But look at this: the NIFL obviously feel like they can back themselves and they feel like they can go forward and build forward yeah. without the League of Ireland. And look, fair play to them if they do pull it off. We'd be the force to commend them for it, but. It's really, really difficult to see it happening. Well, they need to be on the same level financially. They need to be on the same level commercially uh, in marketing. Uh, you know, I'm looking at a stat there. They were saying um, we're increasing, want to increase total attendances at uh, Northern Ireland Football League games by 40%. You only do that by getting the experience, the game day experience, the match day experience, which is that leg up money that you want to get from the government. So it all stems from that. And, you know, at the moment, they're at a similar level. But if Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, get the money that they want and Northern Ireland don't, all of a sudden they're miles behind, years behind. So they really need that government money. League of Ireland really need their government money to even think about ever merging. If one goes ahead of the other and the other doesn't get that funding, it's just never going to happen then either. So it's crucial for any sort of plans for an All-Ireland League that the two of them do push hard and make sure that they get that money that they need from the governments to uh, to take the next step, I suppose. And that's really what it is, is taking the next step. Um, otherwise, uh, money makes the world go round. It definitely makes the football and world go round. So... Uh, work hard at it, lads, is what I'll say. Okay. There's the name of your episode anyway. That's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nathan, thanks very much. Uh, we'll we'll be back again next week. Um, and uh, thanks very much for listening. We'll talk to you then.